0: all right we are here with tom jennings this is the second episode of heavy rotation where we interview djs from across the station and just get a taste of what they're listening to lately um tom you brought an album this one is bud powell's piano interpretations uh thanks for being here and thanks for bringing this album
1: well thank you for having me
0: so really quick, I'm going to give a quick like, Wikipedia introduction of who Bud Powell is, um, just so our listeners might, who might not know him can know about him. Um, first, Earl Rudolph Powell, or Bud Powell, was an American jazz pianist and composer who was a leading figure in developing uh, bebop. He was born in Harlem in 1924, died in New York City in 1966 at the age of 41. He was commonly referred to as the Charlie Parker of piano, and known for greatly extending the range of jazz harmony, which I directly ripped from the Wikipedia article. And Tom, you're going to have to explain to me what that actually means.
1: Yeah. So around the time of, I guess, pre-World War II and around World War II, jazz came out of the sort of uh, brass band stuff of like New Orleans. and uh,
0: The Great Gatsby kind of stuff.
1: yeah, yeah, sort of like that. And then there was uh, the sort of big band and swing era, uh, sort of in like the 30s and early 40s, where there wasn't too much freedom within improv- within the improvisations. It was more music for like crowds of people to sort of dance to. So there was like a lot of people on the bandstand playing, uh, multiple people sort of on each instrument, uh, playing mostly compositions and uh, with just a little bit of improvisation uh, that kept a uh, certain uh, propulsion and rhythm to the to the music, um, but not a whole lot of individual freedom for soloing and stuff like that. And so um, in these sort of nightclubs in the 40s, uh, like Minton's is like uh, the big one that t- gets talked about a lot, um, these swing musicians would start jamming just sort of with each other and just kind of alone, um, just to kind of see who was the best, and have these sort of contests where they would start playing things faster and faster, and start voicing things in much more difficult ways, and that's how bebop kind of started, where it's just like smaller groups uh, playing more or pushing the. Um, is it is it like a Is
0: it like an improvisational style of jazz, almost like the kind that we like know today?
1: Yeah, it's it's more purely improvisational, sort of
0: do you see a lot of that like in modern jazz at all, or is it more like gone into different direction?
1: Well, well, cause modern jazz now, or well, I guess I don't, I don't, <laughs> modern jazz is such a strange <laughs> term because now it's sort of like everything that has ever happened is still like happening mm-hmm. now. So there's still like, you know, bop, uh, groups around, um, like, especially in like conservatories, people like focus on playing like a lot of those standards still. Um, but there's also like all the innovations of, uh, freeform jazz and sort of like very noisy, atonal, amorphous jazz are still mm-hmm. uh, playing themselves out. Uh, and so, so I, I, <laughs> I don't know.
0: So you brought up how he kind of modeled, his, or Bud Powell modeled his style after Charlie Parker and uh, Dizzy Gillespie. Um, mm-hmm. What like what else can you say about Bud Powell that you know might not be as evident from just reading a quick introduction about him?
1: Or what, one way that really made his style make a lot more sense to me was hearing how he did uh, the song Night in Tunisia by himself on piano, sort of. Um because Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie would, like Charlie Parker does the dad da da this really simple part at the beginning. And then Dizzy Gillespie does the You know but Parker just does the Charlie Parker part or no butt Howell does the Charlie Parker part just like his left hand. And then the the very articulate sort of clusters of digital lesbian in his right hand and so he what he brought to uh specifically piano improvisation to uh, what was forming a bebop was his very spare but very purposeful left hand where he'd only play a couple notes sometimes just like you know it's three notes of a chord in his left hand to sort of keep that range uh sort of open for whoever else was improvising but he played very articulately with his right hand in terms of like uh very much like the stride pianists who came before and the new mm-hmm. influenced a lot. So
0: so it was almost like he was splitting you know part of the piano up like one part was an improvisation, improvisational part and one was a more of a standard part.
1: They were both improvisational, but the left hand was definitely more of like a bass that he sort of okay. jumped off with
0: so so why piano interpretations i mean we go through his discography and you know you go through his initial spotify and you mentioned night in tunisia which i don't know why i remember it i i know that name like it might have you know been in a movie or something or it might just be like a very famous song um but why piano interpretations this album's from what 1956 it's a covers album uh incorporates a ton of pieces from other uh previous jazz composers why why this album
1: well what, what drew me to it was precisely because it was uh, a covers zone because I had heard um, albums I think I think like the amazing Bud like the there's like a few albums called The Amazing Bud Powell. It's like mm-hmm. two or three volumes or whatever of it. Um, and those are more like kind of split between originals and uh, standards, if I'm correct. And so I just listened to piano interpretation because I wanted to just hear uh, his approach to some of these songs that I'd already mm-hmm. that I had already known. Um, like "East of the Sun, West of the Moon" was the one that really drew me in because that's like my favorite song that Sarah Vaughn does, but she's a vocalist, and so I wanted to see, uh, sort of what, Brad pa- what Bud Powell uh, brought to it in terms of the piano.
0: So what what is what does he bring? Like, if you had to give a quick like you know uh, overview of the album, uh, why why is Bud Powell's interpretations of these songs better, worse, or just different than the originals? Um
1: well, they're certainly different because he was one of the most because he sort of originated uh, a lot of the bebop improvisational style on the piano, and so he was very far ahead, at least initially, uh, at that style. And so he is very, very adept with these styles. There's a there's a strong. Um, well, he I think he has a very well defined grace in his style, but like mm-hmm. um, if you think about like Thelonious Monk, where it's very like angular. And it's yeah. sort of uh, sometimes a little harsh on the ears, but Bud Powell is always um, just so pleasing to listen to. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I mean, that's the sense that I got when I listened to the album. And for for context, like the reason I'm asking all these questions is primarily because I'm curious. I do not have a music background. I really, rarely, rarely listen to you know jazz music just on its own. It's always with lyrics over it or um just more more famous stuff very honestly um if Mm -hmm. i do listen to it so getting a chance to go into this one particular like almost entirely niche album was such an adventure for me because i had no idea like why i was enjoying the sounds that were coming out of the speakers but it was it was delightful from start to finish let's let's Mm -hmm. go into the first segment if you like blank you will love bud piano or bud powell's piano interpretations um do you have a couple artists I know you mentioned uh Thelonious Monk do you want to elaborate a little bit why that why he um might be one of the artists that if you if you like Thelonious Monk you will like Bud Powell
1: well cuz Bud Powell comes sort of straight out of uh Thelonious Monk's style because Thelonious Monk was a very important mentor uh for Powell initially um like he has a song called In Walked Bud about uh Bud Powell um and so he was very formative because he, he was sort of, um, I think he played more often with uh, Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. on like, uh, a record called Bird and Diz, he's the one who's on piano. But then with uh, Jazz at Massey, Massey Hall, where it's sort of like five of the most definitive uh, players: Parker and Gillespie, Charles Mingus on bass, Max Roach on drums, and then Bud Powell on piano, not Thelonious Monk. Um, he he just brings. I think because Monk is just such like his own thing. It's mm-hmm. a bit strange when he's impro- improving with other people who also are such strong musical personalities. Um, but I think Bud brings so much of Monk's articulation and more, uh I don't know, I guess just graceful <laughs> approach mm-hmm. to his yeah, indulation yeah. that's more conducive to um other voices. But then, He's but then he, but then hearing it on on this album where there's no other people besides mm-hmm. just uh drummer uh I think it's George de Vivier on bass and then uh Art Taylor on drums um and they don't they don't do very much so it's a lot of just Bud Powell just kind of expanding and uh what was the question <laughs> oh, the <it's> life <laughs> <my> glorious fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, well well who yeah.
0: you know it was it was artists you know that you think will have a mm-hmm. relation to Bud Powell if somebody's listening to these oh, yeah. artists then they might enjoy Bud Powell like for me you know i i find it i found it hard initially to find like a good comparison for him because the piano music that i listen to very honestly is too you know, it's it's slower, it's to wake up in the morning, um, and when you think about piano interpretations and you listen to it, it's a it's a fast album. Like, it's it goes by really quickly, um, at least, you know, to the untrained ear. But when, you know, I listen to piano music, it's like in the morning, you know, having coffee, waking up, trying to start your day. But when I try to, you know, go deep dive and do some more research, I found like uh, Duke Ellington's older stuff, like Take the A Train, that reminded me a lot of Bud Powell. Um, John Coltrane's Blue Train also reminded me of uh, Bud Powell. They both have this, like, same upbeat tempo to them that feels like a defining characteristic of piano interpretations. And they might be around the same era. not sure if they, like, overlapped when they were playing. But all three artists, they were also able to do slower stuff. You know, when I look at their other stuff in their discographies, but and you know more like romantic jazz if you were to say um and but when they want to like get you going they can get you going and they clearly do um can you like just explain to me very quickly like the merits between like a slow jazz and a fast jazz song
1: so um well fast jazz Mm -hmm. if if we're speaking in such (laughs) basic yeah yeah again (laughs) yeah um so but what what's important about speed is that it was often kind of the determinant of in those um, late night, what were called like cutting sessions mm-hmm. or like um, uh, like competitions, if you will, between like uh, a pianist and pianist or like two saxophonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so important because they had to keep up with the improvisation, keep uh, reacting to um, what was going on. Like I think one, one, thing they would do with would they would like play like a melody or play like a couple a few bars of a song and then take it up one half step and so they would have to like immediately like know what to do next and stuff like that and that's how uh, charlie parker when he like went through like his first uh, couple things like that at those uh, late night clubs with those expert musicians uh, he got completely creamed <laughs> he got like destroyed <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and he felt horrible and so, so he went home and practiced like 16 hours a day and right, then came right back and it was like the best ever you you, um, have
0: you seen uh, queen's gambit uh I have at all okay so there's this uh one scene in queen's gambit where it, it's all about chess and it just reminded me a lot of uh that scene that you described where there's this thing called bullet chess i, I play a lot of chess uh and mm. there's this uh, idea there's this type of chess called bullet chess where you have one minute total for the game to go over and uh, you'll have these players like uh, in the move in the show um, she's really good at these like, you know, 20 minute long or two hour long full day kind of matches. And then she plays this like bullet chest style and gets creamed, you know, day after day. (laughs) And then you come and then she comes back, she practices exact. I think, you know, there might be some kind of uh, inspiration from that Charlie Parker scene that you're talking Mm -hmm. about, but she comes back practices and then comes, you know, plays like, you know, 15, 16 hours a day, just trying to learn it and then comes back um but man like these guys seem like rock stars you know from back in the day and it, it's crazy how much you know about them that's that's insane like your your knowledge is encyclopedic uh <laughs> yeah um let's let's move into most like re-listenable songs if you had to pick some of these pick some songs from this album that yeah, uh, you can tell somebody be like, "Hey, like, if you you know really want to check this album out, this this is the one you should try to listen to first. Or maybe it's a album that you listen to all the way through.
1: Um, I, th- I think I think it is kind of an album you listen to all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there are a couple duds, I think I think uh, oh, which one was it? I can't remember. I think I think the, the heart and soul. I remember I was I I was kind of a bit of a snooze, but I think the yeah. opening track conception is a very good introduction because the way that the rephrasings cascade and come back into mm-hmm. each other sort of from from sort of like the middle towards the end and how mm-hmm. he returns back into like it's just it's just so so impressive and uh so good and then also um it ends with a beautiful rendition of uh Stairway to the Stars which to me kind of reminded me of um how this very like sensitive and romantic sound uh comes through in his playing um, also on like uh, a, a different a, a different record but a version of polka dots and moon memes that he's very mm-hmm. well known for uh, but that very nice and elegant sound really comes in on that song as
0: well. so okay so i i, I had one song that i brought and i don't know why i like it um maybe yeah. you can like help me figure out why exactly this like his because i i played this song like five six times in a row it was like intoxicating um but i have no idea why um so again if you if you have no idea if it's like a a terrible song in your eyes we can cut this entire part out but i i just wanted to see if you can figure this out for me it was uh heart and the soul uh i i I have no idea like what it was about it but i I played that on repeat and this was like when i was working i've been in a very high-paced uh stage in my life lately so i it might mm. be you know a reason why but is it do you think that there's anything particular about that song that catches the ear
1: yeah it's it's a very um uh, it seems very regular where a lot of his stuff um seems to go uh or not just him but like um how is how improvisation often taken so far away from the stuff where it feels like a completely different song but that but it, it's a very nice steady. um I, I it might have i because it's a Hoagie Carmichael is the composer of that one. I don't know if that, I haven't heard any other versions, or I don't, I don't I don't I can't recall any versions on command of that tune in particular. Uh, maybe it's just a good composition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, maybe. Um, let's let's go into the uh final segment for uh, that we have today. What what aged the best about this album? Again, this was from nineteen fifty six. This is almost like seventy years later. Um, why does this still hold up today?
1: To me, I just thought it was a bit um. I guess to me it was a bit unique because to me it felt like a bit more of a relaxed one. Because if you listen to like, um, I guess like The Genius of Bud Powell, that, that album with that version of T for Two. This one,
0: this one was relaxed? How how crazy does it, it yeah. get?
1: <laughs> it, it gets pretty insane like on that song or like uh, uh, Un Poco Loco. Um, yeah. that, that one goes pretty crazy. But this one I thought was a very nice, um, relaxed sort of Bud Powell Um where i guess just how he approaches these songs and is able to find with his right hand <laughs> those mm-hmm. uh, new voicings and new sort of uh ways of looking at those uh progressions and chords and keeping uh those sort of that, that sort of infinite possibility of variation yeah, yeah. that i feel like he really uh strikes out very well i think it's really nice on this record and it sort of covers that i hadn't heard him do before
0: <laughs> uh did anything age poorly
1: I think probably um, well it's not his most virtuosic album at least or it's not his most showy like uh, like whoa what is he doing thing um, that would have to go to like his version of T for two or something like that um, and so it's not incredibly like showy or bombastic in terms of the style uh, not re- compared to other stuff um, and so that, maybe that aged. Maybe a little poorly. Where it's not like, of course, it's not what people go to first. It's not his definitive um, release. And as well, I don't get a a clear sense of interaction often with uh, Devivier and Art Taylor. On Willow Grove, you get um, that sort of those uh, fills that Taylor brings in. That sort of what's called like bomb dropping because they would like ride the the cymbals in the hi hat, which they didn't necessarily do in swing. It was often like a lot of drums and hi or drums mostly in uh, swing, but then the drums are just used a lot more expressively in space or to like fill these or to like make these fills uh, in the space, which are, which are very effective. And I thought th- that was really cool on uh Willow Grove, but then it's kind of like nowhere else on the album, or at least not memorable. Man. Oh, wow. So,
0: okay. So, Kind of wrapping up here. To we first of all, thank you so much for introducing Bud Powell to me. I did not know who he was, and now he's definitely on my own heavy rotation. Uh, at least, you know this this month's playlist. I mean, I'm I'm going through his discography, but what like I want to extend that same question you know, what age the best and not just about his music, but what about him and him itself? Uh, Is there anything about his life or his biography that's admirable to this day? What would, you know, what would hold up in 2021?
1: I think what's uh, really admirable about Powell, given his um, some of the details of his life was how he was able to keep his ability or um, he's able to harness his ability so much, even though he was like constantly uh bombarded by like headaches and um and just mental afflictions because he suffered a lot or i'm not sure if it was actual brain damage but um he was hit in the head by a police officer one time uh legend holds that it was like while Thelonious Monk was playing and he was like no don't you understand Thelonious Monk is playing and then uh he got he got beaten and then he had like a, a couple other altercations um that affected his mental health throughout his life, and then he uh, underwent like electroconvulsive uh, therapy, which uh, or that was like becoming like a bit more common in uh, the mental t- institutions at the time, which was just you know, terrible. Uh, and he was like never the same after a lot of those
0: um, what a quote different unquote world treatments. It what yeah. a different world back then. That is that is insane. Man, I, w- oh. I-, I would love to talk to you more about, you know, just Bud Powell, about other jazz, and, you know, just pick your brain about other artists. Like, thank you so much for coming on, talking to, taking the time to talking to me about this. Um, I-, I had a great time.
1: Me too. Thank you. All
0: right. Uh, Tom, do you have anything to plug? You have a couple shows. You have uh, Tom's Magic Mystery Hour, correct? And then what was the other one?
1: Yeah, I have Tom's Magical Mystery Power Hour, uh, Fridays mm, okay. at Midnight. And then I'm going to uh, start and hopefully maintain uh, Austin Poets profile where I'll have uh, weekly Austin Poets on uh, on a talk show at uh, Wednesdays at 8.30.
0: Awesome. Be sure to check out all of Tom's content. Uh, Thanks again, Tom, for being on. And I hope to have you on soon. Thanks so much.